Welcome to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show Podcast, a program all about caring for your animal companions. Now, here's our hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Lee. I'm, I'm not actually with you, but, but I'm trying. I'm, hey. I'm at least with you in voice, I guess. You are with us in voice and in spirit. Rick is on the road, but always wanted to contribute to the show, and I'm sure you'll have some great questions, as always. But, Rick, I've been dying to ask you the question. This was an important week in Michigan because we got some announcements about what's going on as far as COVID goes, and businesses have have had a tough decision to make as to what they're going to do in terms of how to deal with the going forward. So how did this affect Bruce Pats? Well, you know, that's a excellent question, Lee, and something that we definitely take seriously and try to make sure we're answering as best as we can for as many people. In our store, uh, as everybody knows, um, you know, it's uh, up to the discretion of the private business as to how open we want to be and specifically targeted towards masks and mask wearing. And um, we're... We're on a uh, on a path for safety and a path for, you know, identifying who we are, what we are, and what we're all about. And the bottom line for Bruce Pets is, at least at this moment, and it and, and we'll as as the days go by, more and more people are vaccinated, changes the climate. But we are a very intimate um, encounter, if you will. Uh, we have in the building, let's say on a weekend, we might have twenty. 20 staff members, and every interaction that we have with customers involves a lot of personal contact. You know, you might go to Walmart, and the closest you get to anybody is, well, the cashier. By you, but <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, with our store, you know, fish don't jump into the bag. No, they don't. And honestly, you know, as you know, as the years go by, you know, we find it only more important that we have those one-on-one customer relation interactions to make sure that animals are going out to their safety and also that people are having the experience with the pets that they're looking for. And uh, so that means a lot of close one-on-one contact. And uh, so right now our staff are wearing their masks. Uh, That's going to stay for a bit. Um, And also we're asking our customers to continue to wear masks. There's no way of really discerning the vaccinated from unvaccinated in a way that um, is acceptable, you know. Um, So so realistically, our options were either take everybody on faith that that they're following. And um, this is such a politically charged element uh, that, you know, no offense to my customers because I love every one of them, but there's different reasons and motivations that people may or may not be wearing their mask in spite of um, their position on uh, on vaccination, whether they're vaccinated or not. So just to be safe uh, for at least the next uh, you know week or two, while more and more people are getting vaccinated, uh, we're going to play it safe and 
ask that everybody wear a mask coming into the store. Rick, it would never shock anyone who is either known Rick Pruce or been to Pruce Pats that the rule of thumb is safety first. So bottom line is that's not a surprise. But at the same time, I, I feel for you because I know that's a very hard decision uh, to make and to keep up with. And uh, I'm glad that you've gotten that out. But in the meantime, today, Rick, we're going to continue a conversation about safety, but it's going to be a different kind of safety because it has turned into, I, I dare say, summer out there. At least it feels like it. It looks like it. And I don't know about you, but I've been out with my dog a heck of a lot more. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, do we need to talk about dog training. So we've got a first time guest within the studio with me. It's Dagny Kaspar, who is the owner of the Pals Academy. And she also works as a dog trainer for Annabelle's Pet Station in downtown Lansing. So we're going to have a great conversation this week on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Is it time to get your dog spruced up for spring? Give us a call at 333-WOOF to schedule your dog's day of pampering at Doggy Daycare and Spa. All of our grooming services include customized shampoo and conditioning treatments, individual attention, and we never, ever use cage dryers. Our spa specialists only use patient practices, making your dog's grooming experience a positive one. We offer convenient appointment times at both of our locations in Lansing and Okemos. Call us at 333-WOOF, that's 333-9663, to schedule your dog's visit to the spa today. Doggy Daycare and Spa, where the hip hounds hang out. If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world away sing day and night calling out to curious shoppers a planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole a planet with pet supplies aplenty enough to care for any kind of pet in any home with friendly employees to help you find just what you need a planet made exclusively for your pets welcome to planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen had to step out to go water some fire hydrants. But they're back now on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us in the studio Dagny Kaspar, who is the owner of the Pals Academy and a dog trainer for Annabelle's Pet Station. Welcome to the show, Dagny. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you and to meet you. Uh, The reason we wanted to have you, Dagny, I have to tell you, is because I don't know how this weather has affected you, but the impact it's had on me is it's made me be outside a lot more often in the last week than I've been in probably the last year. Oh, yeah. And in the meantime, I've got an Australian Shepherd at home who is about a year and a half old, and to say out of control <laughs> is probably a fair statement to describe his activity level because he's been wanting to run around like crazy. But it makes me have a whole lot of questions about dog 
training because I'm not going to make it to the end of the summer <laughs> based on what's happened in the first week. So let me just ask you the first question. When people come to you and tell you, I've got a young dog at home, what do you suggest for them in terms of how should they uh, get them outside and get them trained? Because it's lots of people and lots of dogs out there. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. I think the first thing that I would say is make sure that you know your dog. So don't, you know, expect that you can take your dog to a dog park to run around and that they'll be fine with it because you don't know. Um, dogs are just as individualistic as people. So um, if you want to take them and you want to train them, you know, to be able to run free and then come back, start with a long line, like a 50 foot long line and practice reeling them in. Right. Um, so just go at your dog's pace is what I'm going to say. And also make sure that you're using positive training techniques. So we really don't need to be shocking our dogs or using corrective, um, you know, kind of bullying <laughs> techniques are what, what has been popular in the past. Um, we really can nurture their minds and it's going to help with their physical activity as well. So not only are we going to exercise their bodies, but it's really important to exercise their mind as well. Right. Well, the one thing I can say that's really interesting in what you just talked about is that, one, we have been taking him to a dog park for quite a while, and he has been doing really well with going to the dog park. Uh, he has a lot of friends there, and we try and time it to when his friends are there so that he's with familiar dogs, and we've seen the pack beginning to develop. Oh, yeah. So that's working out very well. Uh, but I will say, uh, getting him enough exercise, it's taking like two hours in order to get him worn out. Is it going to always be this way or does it get better? At oh, that it point? gets better, Lee. It gets better. Um, you're in the thick of it right now. But I would say, get some puzzle toys for your dog. Okay. Throw them in the freezer if you can to make right. them last longer. Okay. Um, wear out his little brain. Okay. <laughs> Work on his brain as much as you work on his body. Gotcha. So, Rick, any I, comments? Well, no, I was just wanting to maybe go ahead and expound on that concept of working his mind and why is that as, as important as, as you're reflecting. So it is, it's very important because a lot of these problem behaviors that we see, um, they stem from insecurity or um, some kind of fear or not getting enough mental exercise. So it's, it's, you know, if you've got a dog that's being really destructive, it's not just about taking them for a run, okay? There's other things at play. There's so many things that your dog could be feeling or thinking. Um, so it's really important that you work with someone who can tell you, who can look, you know, at your situation and tell you, your dog needs more of this energy. Your dog needs more of, you know, the physical stuff. But it's important to exercise their minds because if you don't, it comes out as destructive behavior because they can't explain to us in English what they're feeling. And so they have to show us, right? right. And if they show us that they're anxious and we respond by correcting and yelling, that is not going to help the situation, mm -hmm. right? So you need to make sure that you find a trainer or somebody who knows about dogs that can tell you what's going through your dog's mind. Right. That so. speaks dog. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I've been trying to do my whole life. Yeah, well, well and it's, it's 
very important to uh, be able to get them to do that because the truth is that I have found the more time I spend with the dog, the more I begin to understand certain cues that he is in fact sending me and letting me know. But again, it's just a familiarity to get to know the dog Mm -hmm. very well. Now, in addition to taking them for the mental journey and keeping them occupied that way. One of the things that I have noticed is that, let's let's just lay it on the table, he was coming into his own as a boy dog. (laughs) And bottom line is, unfortunately, uh, we had to take him to be neutered, Mm -hmm. and that has made it better. But at the same time, one of the things that I observe is that he likes to, I, I don't know if the right word is roughhouse, uh, just I've seen where puppies, when they're together, they like to get physical. They like to headbutt each other a little bit, and they, they just they do stuff like that. But what I've noticed is when you get him around other dogs and he wants to do it, the dogs are fine with it, but the people always seem to have an objection, like your dog is trying to bite my dog, your dog is trying to fight with my dog, and I'm thinking to myself, isn't that what dogs do? Isn't this normal? Am I crazy, or? No, you're not crazy. Okay. You're not crazy, Lee. A lot of times when dogs play together, they can actually sound scary. Right. Um, Like, I have two little dogs that play together, and you would think they were killing each other, but you pull them apart, and they go right back at it, and their tails are wagging in a happy way, their bodies are loose and wiggly. Um, So there's a lot of little tiny cues that we need to look for in our dogs. And the more you watch your dog, the better you're going to get at that. But the bottom line is, if you're not sure if your dog is enjoying this type of play, pull them apart and see if your dog will go back and ask for more playing. Um, So playing does not look like it does with humans, right? It's okay. They get real physical. That's just what they do. They use their mouths. That's that's how they evolved. Right. So um, we need to allow them to be dogs in that way. But, um, you know, towing that line of, you know, are they fighting? Are they playing? It can be be nerve-wracking. Right. Um, But I would say the first thing, just watch your dog as much as possible and get used to their signals. Watch their body looseness, their ear position, their, their tail position, everything. Well, what, what, like I say, what scares me is that uh, when people get upset, I immediately mm-hmm. try and be responsive to them. But at the same time, uh, I'm thinking maybe the people need to get a little bit of training <laughs> when agree. it comes to being with the dog. So let me ask you, what kind of a training regimen should people have in place for their dogs? When, at what age should they be getting them enrolled in a socialization class or a dog training class? I mean, what is a uh, protocol that you would typically call for? So that really depends on each person and their dog. But I would say the most important thing is think about training as a way to learn how to talk to your dog and how to listen to your dog. And in that sense, we need to start right away as soon as possible. Um, it's not something where you have to be real rigid about it. You don't have to you know, have three hours on the calendar set aside for training or anything like that. Um, it's really more about little exercises you do with your dog to help send a message so that they understand what you expect of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this training works on their brain, but it also helps us understand them better and, and see what 
you know, what do they do when they feel this way? What do they do when they feel that way? Um, so I would say in, in terms of training, I would start as soon as you can. Um, don't, don't immediately, you know, toss your dog into a class if you're not sure. I definitely get a consultation with somebody to make sure that they'll be able to handle that, um, especially with these, these puppies that, you know, we've gotten in the last year where they really haven't been that socialized. They have not seen a lot of other people or dogs. So um, there's a class that I'm actually offering at Annabelle's next month, and it's a canine social skills class. And so it's, it's aimed to teach the people as well as the dogs. Um, because we all, you know, everyone has a dog now. We all need to know how to interact with each other and how to respect boundaries and what are boundaries for dogs. Um, so I went on a little tangent there. I hope you enjoyed no, it. No, that's, that's <laughs> fine because, that's Rick, go ahead. Well, what I was saying is that that makes perfect sense. And I thought maybe uh, when we were talking about the dog park, you know, three steps backwards is, you know, let's start with an interaction where there is some kind of, kind of guidance counselors there because a lot of people getting into their new dog aren't necessarily familiar with dog conversation in general and specifically what kind of conversation the dog is trying to have with you when, you know, you're in those communal social situations. So bringing them to kind of a more managed dog training, socializing class makes a certain, you know, strong case for, you know, supervised opportunities so that when you do want to go to a dog park, you feel more confident that you're not putting your dog yourself or even another person's dog in jeopardy. So, uh, what would one receive? Tell us, go through how many weeks would a socialization class workup be? Is it is it something that you would meet once a week? And then, what what type of the kind of responsibilities will you have as a dog owner when you leave the class? Will there be homework that one needs to work on, or is it just simply a hey, this is what you need to learn while they're interacting? Can you give a little bit more detail? on what one would expect if they wanted to have their puppy go into a dog socialization class framework. Sure. Um, so this class, the way that it's set up, it is, um, it goes for six weeks and we meet once a week. Um, each class is 45 minutes long. Um, and that is, it's, it, I used to teach for an hour, but it's really easier for the dogs to do a shorter amount of time, um, especially when we're talking about socialization stuff, because we don't want them to get too um, over excited, okay, because at that point we can have, you know, bad things happen. So what you can expect is you come into this class and there are barriers up and you go and you sit in a chair behind a, you know, an X pen that has a sheet on it. Um, and we're going to do very, you know, we'll have a little bit of a lecture and I'll say, you know, this is, you know, maybe I'll have a video that's that shows some dog body language that we'll talk about. Um, you know, we'll talk about what to do when you meet somebody and their dog when you're on a walk and your dog doesn't want to say hi. You know, how do you handle that situation? Um, there's there's going to be controlled play and control meet and greets so I can teach people how to introduce their dogs to another dog safely. Because um, a lot of times if you do that on leash and, and the leash is tight, um, that can add energy and that can add stress to these dogs. And so what would otherwise be a peaceful interaction could turn real bad. Um, so I just think it's very, very important to pay attention to these things because our dogs can do damage. All right. And we need to respect that. Um, and I think the best way that we can do that is to learn how to actually talk to them. Now, that brings up a really good point uh, that 
I don't know if I necessarily thought about, but Rick is absolutely right. This has been a year where all of a sudden people who have never had dogs before have decided to get dogs. I mean, the percentage of households that have pets have gone up dramatically. And I've, I've got a neighbor across the street who's got a puppy. It's their first dog that they've ever had. And the dog has never socialized with any other dog or any other people mm-hmm. and I'm frightened for them because yeah. I'm just thinking my god what happens when the dog does get together what do you suggest to people to kind of get them into that because I was saying to them that if you wanted to do like a small greeting type thing I'd be happy to be a guinea pig but how do you suggest people do that who are really new to this So people who are really, really new to this, I would say take your dog to the dog park, but don't go in, okay? Stay outside of the dog park, maybe have your dog on a leash and just reward them for seeing the other dogs. The first thing we wanna do is get them used to seeing other dogs and people running around, you know, when when the things they're looking at are moving really fast, that adds a lot of energy and that can change their response. So um, the first thing I, I would want you to do is go to a dog park, stay out of the dog park, have your dog on a leash next to you, watch your dog very, very carefully and reward, you know, with something really yummy every time they look at another dog. Um, and pretty soon that'll turn into a game. <laughs> and if we can reframe this new scary thing as a game that we're playing with my person, um, we're going to get a better response. Would it be uh, kind of important to uh, exercise the dog first before he shows up? That's a good. Those energy levels a bit less, or or no? That's a really great question. Um, it depends on the dog. So if you've got a really you know bouncing off the walls dog, yeah, maybe exercise them first. Um, but you could also try you know, maybe don't feed them breakfast and then take them, you know, late morning. And so that way they're more food oriented. Um, and that might help you gain their, their, um, attention, their attention. Thank (laughs) you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you've got a really crazy dog, then yeah, exercising them first would be good, but that's not necessary for every dog. Yeah. That, that can be an obstacle sometimes is getting their attention, (laughs) but food does really have a magnificent draw for most of these dogs. So I see the logic of that. Works for me too, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) We're speaking this morning with Degna Kaspar, who is with Annabelle's pet station as a dog trainer. And we need to take our first break. But, Dagny, when we come back, I want to talk with you about the difference between positive and negative training, which you brought up, because I think that's a very important issue. So we'll have that conversation right here on 1320. W-I-L-S. Sally Babbitt wants to help you plan for your pets. So it's very important that as a pet owner, we take care of two things. Come up with a succession plan for who's going to take those pets and also come up with a way to fund that. Sally Babbitt will work with you to make sure your pets find a loving home in the event of your death or incapacity. Because we all know, for example, I have a a beautiful Great Dane, and she's wonderful. But she also has some special health problems. So I understand that to have someone take her in is fine, but that's also a financial burden on them. And so I would need to think about setting aside maybe some money to take care of that animal. And going further, how far do we go with our pet's care? when we're gone. Plan for your pet's future with Babbitt Legal. I am on West St. Joe Highway, 6005 West St. Joe. I am just conveniently located a quarter mile from the Big B. 
517-507-3306. Meet the two men who are experts at talking to animals, uh, or something like that. The Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we've been talking this morning all about how to keep those dogs trained and acting the way we want them to, as if, and having that conversation uh, with a dog trainer from Annabelle's Pet Station, it's Degne Kaspar. And Degne, before the break, you had mentioned that one of the things that's a very important aspect of the training that you do is that you do it in a positive way, not in a negative way, utilizing some of the technology that's out there like electronic collars and what have you. In your mind, what is the difference between the two and why do you feel so strongly about the uh, one method versus the other? That is a great question. And I think when it when it comes down to it, the most important thing that I just cannot get over is do you want to motivate your dog with something they're trying to avoid or do you want to motivate your dog with something that's going to make them happy? So one of these things is going to lead to a more enriched relationship with your dog, a a deeper understanding between you and your dog, and a happier dog in general that is going to be less worried in general, all right? And a less worried dog is a less dangerous dog. And if we're working with, you know, a shot collar or something, there's... We're working to teach the dog, oh, you better behave, otherwise you're going to get, you know, a little punishment or something, and it's like a warning, and... um, it, it creates a different dynamic between you and your dog. It really does. And a healthy relationship with your dog is so, so important for your mental well-being, your dogs, and anybody that you and your dog come in contact with. Because you don't want to create a dog that's worried that they might get corrected at any moment. Then you get the dog that lashes out or bites without warning, which, by the way, there's always a warning. <laughs> Um, so when it, my most important thing, what makes me the most passionate about it is I want to have, I got a dog to have a good relationship with them. I got a dog to enrich my life and to, you know, enrich their life. And I'm not here to punish them for, you know, stepping a toe at a line. I'm here to encourage them to be the dog that they can be. And, um, really just to, I, I would rather my dog be motivated to behave because they love me. You know, rather, and I'm not saying people who use shot collars, your dog doesn't love you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying I don't want my dog to be afraid of me. And I don't, I, I don't think that's a healthy dynamic to have in your house. Well, the one thing I've observed about the electronic collars is that when you've got a dog outside and you're using the electronic collar to control them as opposed to a leash, that doesn't mean that the person walking down the street who sees a pit bull running around mm-hmm. off a leash is going to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that the animal will always stop as a result of that electric shock? Because if the person is more interesting to them Mm -hmm. than the penalty of the shock, then what are you in for? And so my thinking is, I think that's why leash laws make Mm -hmm. a whole lot of sense. Or again, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. You're not crazy at all. And it's, it's, it's so like, okay, keeping your dog on a leash can prevent so many disasters. It's even if your dog is great on a leash, 
um, or I'm sorry, great off of a leash and they never run off or anything like that. You just don't know who you're going to encounter. You know, I've, I have some big dogs and I've encountered some people who are afraid of dogs and I always, you know, bring my dogs in close to me and I say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, they're not going to get close to you and everything, but it's just, I can't imagine trying to control a dog with a remote from a distance. That's the other thing about that is that you don't, you can't say for sure what the dog is noticing when you're shocking the dog. And let me elaborate on that. Your dog could be running to the edge. Uh, so say it's an invisible fence. This is a story that my mentor used to tell me. Mm-hmm. Golden retriever, invisible fence in the front yard, suburban neighborhood. Everything's fine, right? Eventually, this dog, after time and time again reaching the edge of his um, boundary and getting shocked, every time he was doing that, he was noticing the neighbor across the street. And so what he um, paired with that shock is the presence of the neighbor. And this golden retriever actually became aggressive towards and reactive towards that neighbor. And it's not a breed that usually is that way. So it was shocking, (laughs) pun intended. (laughs) Um, But you really cannot say for sure what your dog is noticing or affiliating that shock with. And that that risk is just too high. It's just way too high. Absolutely. Uh, One thing I think might be helpful, uh, because we're, we're trying to direct people into using the leash, and I think that what would be worth talking a little bit about is using a leash properly uh, as opposed to something that uh, either by having the right equipment and also as a, another concern is how you function with that leash. Because I don't know that those individuals, at least leads I'm referring to, that are kind of new to the, to the exercise of keeping a dog – uh, might be their first one, uh, really fully appreciate the value of how to properly train a dog on a leash. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so training a dog on a leash, there's things that we do as people that we do unconsciously that in order to create a dog that wants to behave for us on leash, um, we have to change some things that we're doing. And one of those things I see is that people are pulling back on their dogs all the time. And it's one thing if your dog is pulling on you, and that's definitely something that, you know, we need to work on in training. Um, but keeping that, you know, even, even dogs that aren't pulling on the leash, I see people gathering up the leash and holding it real taut next to them. And what that can do is it adds, you know, energy to your dog. It adds some frustration. And that's not something that we necessarily want to add out in public. If you always take your dog out on a tight, tight leash out in public, you're going to have a dog that associates, you know, public with that kind of like, you know, like frustrated energy, right? And we just don't want to add that. We want to try and keep our dogs calm as much as possible. So um, in order to work on not pulling, there's a lot of things that we can do. You can use a head collar, which is something that I I use with a lot of dogs. Um, You can try to use a front clip harness. So if it clips in the front and it's tightly adjusted, it will actually pull your dog off balance a little bit when they pull. And so for for really big dogs, um, that can work really well. Um, And... The biggest thing is I want you to have a loop of slack in your leash because that means that your dog is relaxed, you're relaxed. And honestly, you're never going to get any off-leash control unless you have on-leash control. If the leash is what's keeping your dog with you, you don't have a dog that has a good recall or a dog that, that can be off-leash in general in the, in the, at all. So it's um, 
you got to make sure you're not pulling back on your dog um, and using the right equipment in order to mitigate that pulling without something like a prong collar or anything like that. Because what that does is that just says it's comfortable to pull until a certain point and then it's not comfortable and now I'm upset. <laughs> yeah, but that brings up a really important point and Rick, I'll, I'll come to you for the answer because it seems to me that a lot of people, especially people who are new, don't realize the different equipment that's out there because I've seen more different harnesses and leashes in probably the last three years than I had seen ever before in my life and Rick, having the pet store, you're the one who probably has them in inventory. How much has that changed in terms of the amount of equipment that's available for people to use when it comes to training their dogs? Oh, yeah. And, and I think that um, you're zero, we need to, as retailers, zero in on the types of equipment that actually can help people. So having the uh, off-pull collars or the front mount um, harnesses or uh, various other, uh, you know, devices that that can redirect the dog's energy so that you're not making it uh, on an impossible situation to get exactly where uh, Dagny is mentioning uh, is really, really important. Uh, I, I just see frustration on the eyes of individuals that are, working with equipment that just can't do it for the dog that they happen to have. Some dogs, maybe a typical collar will work because it's a rather cooperative dog that learns quickly and has an energy that's calm enough that, that, that makes it work. But too often, you know, that's not where it's, you know, where you're going to find the sweet spot. Um, dogs just have energy, especially when they're puppies. So the very time that you're trying to train an animal is when it has more energy than what you're capable or familiar with dealing with, um, especially if you're new to the idea. And some breeds can just take that to a whole new level. So I think that's what's important is, uh, is, is trying to make sure that you're getting the guidance of the proper equipment, whether it's coming in and talking to our staff so that you can share with us the kind of frustrations you're having, or even on a, on a higher level, you know, going to a, a, an appropriate dog training class where they're actually seeing the interactions, or more importantly, the negative interactions you're having, and they can kind of take an active stance and kind of how do you respond to it. You know, the one thing I do relate well with is frustration. You know, when I, when I see individuals frustrated with what they're doing, uh, Heck, it makes me frustrating because I see the dog, it's frustration. I see the person on the end of the leash that's frustrated as well and doesn't have to be that way. And I've been able to watch my daughter as she's been kind of schooled over the years at um, Annabelle's uh, and as she's had the opportunity to take that kind of schooling, I've seen a dog that could be pretty difficult to work with and slowly over the years made that dog into a far more manageable animal and it respects the value of of getting qualified training right. uh, more so than the actual items i mean the items are there and there's 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 a dozen things on the shelf that uh, can be helpful from 
um, clickers to treats, to rewards, and then obviously all the various effective ways of holding them back. But really, none of that really works well if you don't have the mindset going in that Mm. says, hey, let's do this properly this time around. Yeah, no, it's a combination of things. Well, we need to take one last break. Dagny, when we come back, we'll continue the conversations with advice for how to keep your animals in line and keep them going this summer so that they do learn how to be the wonderful animals we hope for right here on 1320 WILS. Where do you go when you discover an unexpected treasure? Come to Liberty Coins in Frandor. In March, a woman drove her elderly mother to the bank to deposit less than $100 of rolled coins into her account. When the teller opened the first roll of dimes, the top coin was silver. The daughter instantly knew at least some of the coins were worth more than face value. They left the bank to go to Liberty Coins. We paid her mother $1,500 for coins she had planned to deposit in her bank account. What treasures do you have that Liberty can help you with? Pick up a free copy of our Cash in Your Treasures brochure in our store or view it online at libertycoinservice.com. For 50 years, Liberty Coins and Frandor has been the right place to go. I'm Tom Colson reminding you to put cash in your pocket today. We're Liberty Coins. If you can't find what your pet needs on planet Earth, have you considered finding a new planet? Of all nearby curios, there is one world where pets reign supreme. A planet where bright blue aquariums stretch as far as the eye can see. Where fresh and saltwater fish of all colors dance before happy customers. A planet where tarantulas and toads dart just out of sight, peeking up from the undergrowth at smiling visitors. A planet where birds from half a world away Way, sing day and night, calling out to curious shoppers. A planet where turtles plod along during daily treks to the watering hole. A planet with pet supplies aplenty, enough to care for any kind of pet in any home, with friendly employees to help you find just what you need. A planet made exclusively for your pets. Welcome to Planet Bruce. Don't just get a pet, get a Bruce pet. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking all about dog training this morning, and our guest has been Dagny Kaspar, who is with Annabelle's Pet Station as a dog trainer, as well as having her own company, the Pals Academy. And uh, Rick, before the break, we talked a little bit about some of the equipment that people need to have with their dogs. But one of the things that I think is also important Dagny, when it comes to training during this time of year, the heat can sometimes be an issue because, in my experience, sometimes the dogs can have a little bit of a mind of their own, especially if you happen to be near water. And I happen to be near water. (laughs) So I guess my question for you is, how do we go through and train the dogs to 
pay attention to it, do we do more indoor training or do, is it cool that they just decide we're going to jump in the <laughs> in the water? Because sometimes it's not a good feeling, especially if they're just fresh back from the groomer and then all of a sudden they decide it's time to jump in the lake. So how do, we de- how do we deal with that? <laughs> well, I would say that you definitely want to start by training where it's less distracting. Okay, so start inside, establish a set of, of you know, cues that you and your dog understand both together um, and then slowly bring it outside. But as you make it harder and harder for your dog, and by that I mean bringing it outside or closer to the water or out where there's other people, um, you're going to need to lower your expectations for what they can do in that moment. So if your dog can sit 10 out of 10 times being told once at home in the living room, don't expect them to be able to do that in the front yard right away. But when you're talking about things like, you know, is it okay to let them go jump in the lake and everything? I mean, yeah, we got to let them be dogs at some point, right? Um, The goal with training is to establish a language that you and your dog can use when, you know, they're they're approaching those boundaries and you're saying, hey, maybe not jump in the lake today. Maybe wait a couple days (laughs) so that we can have this fresh groom for a couple of days before you jump in the lake. Wow, exactly. Um, So it's definitely I mean, and that, that is absolutely something I would use a long line for as well. <laughs> um, gotcha. So, yeah. uh, let me ask this question because it's something that I don't know what's right and wrong, and maybe you can straighten me out. Because uh, when the dog is outside, the dogs like to bark. And if it's six in the morning, if it's 10 at night, then that's a problem. But at two in the afternoon, is it a problem or is it okay for them to bark? And if it isn't, how do we get them to stop? Because there's so much going on outside. How do you keep a dog from barking? I know. (laughs) Well, I'm not a miracle worker, but I can tell you that um, it's so to an extent, what is okay for your dog to do is just up to you. So I agree that it's not cool six in the morning for your dog to be barking. Um, and so you get to define those boundaries. At, I will tell you at my house, it's not. So my dogs love to run along the fence with a neighbor dog. Um, but I don't necessarily like that because it's really rowdy and we live close to other people. And I don't, you know, it's very loud. Um, and they have other outlets for that. So I, I use a long line to train them, you know, to come back in. So when they go outside, they're already attached to something. I know if they start barking or doing something I don't want, um, I can I can interrupt and teach them what's fun to do instead, right? So it's more about, it's not just about teaching them what not to do, it's about teaching them what to do to dissipate their energy in that situation. Because teaching them not to bark is one thing, but if they've still got that energy behind the bark, you know what I'm saying? They're going to take it out in some other way. And maybe that's digging, maybe that's, you know, climbing the fence, (laughs) God forbid. Um, So there's... There's a lot of things that you can do, but I think the most important thing is just establishing that um, that language with you and your dog. Interesting. And, and that's something that you would, you know, first be going to a training class so that that so that you're picking up that language? Yeah, absolutely. So whether it's like private lessons or consultations um, with, well, which I can do, um, or you take them to a class or maybe, you know, you start to, like I have a couple of videos on YouTube that that explain some things that might be helpful. Um, it's just making sure that your sources, whatever you're, whatever you're getting your information from is based in positive training. 
Okay. That's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, you can absolutely, you can start however works for you. So some dogs need a private lesson first. Some dogs can jump right into a class, but, um, the more you put yourself around dog people and instructors and trainers, the more you're just going to absorb in general. So I would say if someone's real interested in it, definitely take a class because, you know, words, so much advice comes out of my mouth during that. <laughs> now, what I, I got a, Go well, Go I got ahead. a question. Please. So you're, you're taking your dogs properly around neighborhoods and uh, various, maybe walks on the trails and such. As a dog trainer, and you're walking by and you're watching someone that either scolds or even is abusive to their dog that is maybe hits it for doing some action that they've been told, you know, that they can't control. How as a dog trainer do you deal with those situations? Oh, that is like the hardest thing because I figured it would be. Yeah. Way to ask the hardest question on earth, Rick. Um, So there's, there's this, you know, a boundary there. You can't necessarily just jump in and tell, and tell them you're doing this wrong. Um, I would say I, I can't always control my face, so I know I probably give them glares, and um, that's about <laughs> the meanest that I can be. Um, yeah, but if it's a yeah. situation where I've been known to jump in when there's a situation with a couple of dogs, and I can see it's about to go very badly. And in those situations, I definitely seem like a huge jerk um, because I come in and I'm like, you got to separate your dogs. Um, but, I mean, in those situations, I'd rather be, be a jerk than have those dogs have a bad experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just wondering about that because you know, too often you have situations in social surroundings, and yeah, you want to jump in there and do what you can, but unfortunately, you know, personal space and and such. Uh, the best we can do, I guess, is try to send a message out there for things like radio shows and mm-hmm. your Facebook feeds and, and try to get the message out there on a more universal level. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in some scenarios, it's just like watching maybe bad parenting. You just have to, unfortunately, if unless it's raises to a certain level, you almost have to turn around and kind of walk the other direction and send as much body language that this isn't cool as much as you can. Yeah. Sometimes I also slip them a business card. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Well, Dagny, we've only got about 30 seconds left, but if you can share with our listeners, if people are interested in, you've mentioned videos and other information, how do they find that information uh, on the web? Sure. So my website is www.palscanineacademy.com. Canine is all spelled out. Um, And I've got a list of free videos up there. Um, I also, if you search the Pals Canine Academy on YouTube, um, you'll see my face and I'll be talking a lot about dog stuff. Um, And you can meet some of my dogs that way. (laughs) Um, And if you want to sign up for a class, go to the Annabelle's website. It's coolcitydogs.com. And um, I've got my own little, you know, thing under the trainers and, and you can sign up for my classes there. I've got puppy and canine social skills coming in June. Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Rick, I hope that you are careful driving back uh, from where you are. But in the meantime, uh, for all of you, we want to wish you a great week and a great week ahead. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. In the meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets and have a great week, everybody. 
Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. These are happy dogs. Rhythmic dogs. Harmonic dogs. House dogs. Street dogs. 